Welcome to the Simple Cocktails Podcast. I'm Greg Mays, Managing Editor of SimpleCocktails.net. And I'm Lisa Mays. Thanks for tuning in. So it's time for a very special episode of the Simple Cocktails Podcast. I think we say that every episode. Do we? I think so. Well, let's list the differences. I'll tell no, for you. real. This okay. is very special. No, this is the special. For real. Guys, you know how all those other ones were special? They're not as special as this. All right. So here's what makes this one different, okay. if you're ready for it. Uh, we, last week, right. we attended New Mexico Cocktails and Culture. We did which is an annual event in Santa Fe celebrating New Mexico cocktails and culture. Right, <laughs> right. Enough. All of everyone who loves spirits, cocktails, breweries, all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh spirits distilling, I mean, not breweries. I guess they could come too though. Yeah, I don't but That's know. a whole different conference cuz that's huge. Yeah. There's plenty of breweries celebration. Right. We're going to celebrate spirits. Right. So so one. the spirits community, we all get together. Yeah. And this was the second annual. Yes. And we missed the first annual. We did. We had a good excuse. We did. Family our, first. Family first. Our daughter was like performing. She was doing like a some sort of a, I don't know, a violin well, performance. Yeah, it was like her last one of the year. Yeah, so okay. we really, we could not get out of that. Good excuse. We tried. Yeah, I know. We couldn't. <laughs> it was a good excuse. But this year we were really happy to go. And it was awesome. It was so nice. It was because what you end up with is really high class cocktail people that come to Santa Fe for a few days. It's it's basically Friday and Saturday and Sunday ish. Right. Is that a good yeah, yeah. summary of it? Saturday is most uh, it's most of the meat. Mm-hmm. And that was the day that you and I went. Right. Uh, so we live in Albuquerque. Santa Fe is an hour away. So, you know, we commuted to New Mexico cocktails and culture. And so uh, just like we did at Tales of the Cocktail last year, we got to interview these awesome names in cocktails. And so uh, we're going to start off from the beginning. How's that? Right. The first seminar we went to was about the Negroni. Uh, which ne- is Negroni's a, at, what was it, 1030? It was early. It, it was, was nice. Ten, it was. I liked it. They served Americanos. <laughs> Which is basically a Negroni, but instead of gin, you use club soda. Right. Okay. Which is nice in the morning. I, I want a little bubbly in the morning. Okay. Having an Americano with eggs and fruit and brunch type food was a great experience. Really? Yeah. I couldn't drink mine with my food. I can, well, I now expect you to make an Americano for me really? every morning okay. with breakfast. <laughs> the, the funny thing is I'm implying you make breakfast then. <laughs> <laughs> going to mess up. That was low. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Back to New Mexico cocktails and culture, please. This seminar was given by a big name, somebody that uh, I actually mention his name in my book. Coming up, right. That's coming up. Okay. Tony Abuganum. Tony was a part of the early guard of craft cocktails. Right. And Tony really sort of introduced or reintroduced the word mixology into the bartender's canon. Right. Whether you like it or not. Yes. But, well, that's a cool thing is because you get to hear in a minute his perspective on that. Right. It was really encouraging to me because right. I know a lot of bartenders are like, uh, I'm not a mixologist or whatever. Right. I don't want to give it away. You're kind of one of them too. I don't know. Now that I've it's talked to, to Tony. Change. Yeah. So, so he's written a book called The Modern Mixologist. Mm-hmm. Really, like I said, that word, the reason you hear that word, I say it's because of Tony. Right. Uh, although he gives us some history in this interview that's really fascinating. Tell me about mixology as a word. Do you mind kind of 
talking to us about that, the roots of it, how people feel about it? Absolutely, Greg. It's uh, a word that I first came across, or a title, when Dale DeGroff uh, used the moniker. And I was working at Bellagio, and I was in need of a title. And so what about mixology? You know, mixologists, property mixologists. And they loved it. And I didn't really know the history until I wrote my book, The Modern Mixologist, Classic Contemporary Cocktails. And I called our friend Dave Wondrich. I said, I'm trying to find some history behind the word mixologist. And I can't find anything. And he found an article dating back from the 1850s. Wow. uh, That basically said, when a bartender has unusual interest and expertise in mixing drinks, they become a mixologist. Wow. And Greg, I really believe that that definition holds true today. Yeah, for sure. What, what do you think of uh, kind of the pushback that you see sometimes from bartenders? Oh, I'm not a mixologist. I'm a bartender. Well, I think we're all bartenders. Okay. We all tend the bar. First and foremost, the most important element of our job is hospitality, right? Is that guest service. I don't care what you call me, bar chef, bartender, barman, uh, mixologist. That is my job. It is the, in the art of hospitality. But I think the definition Dave supplied is perfect. When a bartender has unusual interest and expertise, I know a lot of great bartenders, great bars. I would never dream of ordering Negroni, mm. but they're great bartenders. Gotcha. Um, they have no interest in the history of Count Chameleon Negroni in 1919 Florence, Italy. Gotcha. They love being a bartender, big smile, handshake, welcome, you know, know what the Cubs did, know how the stock market closed, know that this is my girlfriend and not my wife. <laughs> you know, they're great bartenders. But the mixology thing, no interest. Gotcha. And that's why that definition, unusual interest and expertise. That's awesome. That's, that's really helpful. You know, it just, it, it's a choice we all make. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you want to do with your life and career? Right. How far do you want to take it? Right. And today, fortunately... There are great opportunities that when I was coming up, you know, in the early 80s, people would say, what do you do for a living? And I'd say, I'm a bartender. And they'd say, well, what do you want to do? Right. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you're not going to be a bartender for right. a career, right. are you? Right. you know, today, you know, young bartenders, you know, they, they're passionate, they're committed. They have great opportunities above and beyond being behind the bar. And we as Americans are drinking better because of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Very yeah. good. Let me ask you about one more thing. So you have a big love for vodka, which is, mm-hmm. so from my perspective, is unusual as well. Uh-huh. Bartenders can kind of like, you know, uh, not be interested in vodka. Sure. So, so tell us about your love for vodka and why. Well, you know, I again, I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. I started in 1980, so I saw the whole vodka movement take place. Um, I saw vodka, you know, really surpass gin in all of the classic cocktails. I went through the, you know, the 80s, the martini phase, when all the martinis were based on vodka. Mm-hmm. I saw vodka kind of get bastardized with all the flavors of mm-hmm. vodka. Mm-hmm. And really, my love is to come back to what vodka really is. Mm-hmm. Not flavored vodkas, not I any mean, traditional vodka. I mean, vodka is one of the oldest spirits that we have. Um, wasn't even known in the United States until post-prohibition in 34. It took a long time to gain, and during a time when mixology or bartending was probably at its lowest, so vodka had an opportunity to, like I said, work its way into the Norman culture and become the go-to drink. Uh, as people lost an interest in mixing and crafting balanced drinks, vodka made it easy. 
you travel the world, especially in Eastern Europe, like I have researching my book, you know, you see people drinking and appreciating vodka for vodka's sake. Mm. And that's why I wanted to write the book and really embrace and hopefully encourage bartenders and consumers alike to have a better understanding and appreciation for this spirit. My favorite way to drink vodka, Greg, is just straight out of the freezer, meat. And really appreciate and understand and enjoy the nuances that make a rye vodka from Poland different than, you know, a Swedish potato vodka. Yeah, and yeah. They're subtle. But if you get good at tasting and identifying vodka, yeah. everything else is going to be so easy. Wow. Um, and really, we're doing our customers a disservice if we turn our nose up the vodka. Yeah. 25% of all mixed, well, of all spirits sold in the United States today are vodka. Wow. Super great seminar. I totally enjoyed myself, and it was incredible to meet him. He's right. one of the, I'd say, top five yeah. guys as far as craft cocktails are concerned, at least in my book. I don't know. Yeah, I was encouraged by the whole like not knocking vodka down because I've been trying really hard to get away from that, and I feel like I am. Like I'm, I'm leaning more towards tequilas and gins. Yeah, but to hear him say like I love it, it takes yeah. it takes a more advanced palate and blah blah blah. I'm like yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> do you recall? What I've done since talking to him about vodka, I've done several things. You've put the vodka back in the freezer. I put it in the freezer. I, I put one bottle in the freezer. Right. Because he's sort of right. You know what I mean? Like vodka out of the freezer has a really cool texture. Really? And it's like a syrupy texture that's pretty awesome. I didn't put it all in the freezer. So any of you who read anything about cocktails, what you may read at some point is you should never put any liquor in the freezer or fridge other than vermouth. Mm. Because... When you're making cocktails with it, you want it to dilute. And if it's basically freezing temperature, it won't dilute with the water very well. Mm. And it'll throw the mixture off. So the one I have in the freezer is really just, like you said, drinking straight. straight. And it's been so hot here. I know. So the other day, literally, I took vodka out of the freezer, shook it on ice... And then poured it on a bunch of crushed ice in a glass and drank it that <laughs> a way. A vodka snow cone. Yeah, it was, that's exactly what it was. I, so it may have been a cocktail because I garnished it. Right. But it was just a glass <laughs> and of shook it. really, really cold vodka. And that was all thanks to Tony. So the next seminar was uh, probably the main thing that got me to Santa Fe yeah. <laughs> was the I margarita told you about one. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Margarita. And they served chips and salsa. They did. So. Guacamole, man. It was <laughs> margaritas with chips and salsa. That's all I need it in worked. life. Yeah. You know? It worked. And it was real like Santa Fe salsa. So yeah. you, you actually kind of needed it the margarita really to pull you down. Yeah. So they gave you like the backstory of the margarita originally called the Daisy. Yeah. What did we learn about the word margarita, which I'm embarrassed to say I didn't actually know the meaning of? What is the meaning of margarita? Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> so, so the, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the seminar was called Historic Journey from Daisy to Margarita. Anthony Pullen and Kaylee Asher gave the, uh, gave the seminar. Anthony is a brand rep for Bulldog Gin, right. which I've actually heard a lot about Bulldog, but I had not yet tasted it, mm-hmm. surprisingly. And then Kaylee is a brand ambassador for Azunia Tequila. Right. So it was interesting to have a gin guy talking about margaritas, but it really worked well. It did. Yeah. And so the two cocktails we had was a white lady and a margarita. I had never had a white lady with egg white, which maybe that's bad. Yeah. 
I had a white lady a long time ago. It's like five, six years Excuse ago. Excuse me? I know. No. <laughs> That's a stupid I, I totally married joke. I get it. That's good. I like that. So we talked to Anthony for a little bit. What cocktails does Bulldog really shine in? So Bulldog is a, um, it's a, it's a very forgiving gin. Let's just put it that way. It's certainly in the U.S. It's... If you over overcook it, it's 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 gonna it's gonna let you forgive. There's mm-hmm. there's other gins out there that if you if you hit it with an ounce too much or something, and you're not necessarily got the the artistry of a full-on bartender, um, you can make mistakes with it. Which I think is probably where a lot of the discontent comes from as well. Mm. Is the gin is not very forgiving. Ah. Bulldog is not about a single botanical. It's about how those botanicals work together. My favorite drink, if I was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to make a drink that I just had stuff in my fridge. I would grab some honey, make some syrup, so just cut it with water so it doesn't get stuck in my shaker. Mm-hmm. So one part honey, one part hot water. Lots of ice, fresh lemon, equal parts honey syrup, equal parts lemon, double the gin, just shake it and drop it into a thing. It's called a bee's knees. It's nice. a fantastically yeah. well-balanced sour drink. Um, if you want to get a bit more creative, again, equal parts, one, one, one. Um, and we just did a seminar on it today, which is fancy. It's just, it's just making a groan. You take some gin, take some Campari, take some aperitif. If you're having a dinner and you want to host someone, just put that out. It's going to make everyone hungry. It doesn't matter how bad your food is. No. That's going to make everything taste <laughs> right. good. Um, and then, of course, you can do, obviously do your Collins and stuff like that with yeah. it. Um, it's, yeah, it's very forgiving. So um, I would go for a bee's knees, mm-hmm. two, one, one, two parts gin, one part lemon juice, one part honey syrup. And you can't go wrong with the bee's knees. When he said that, you like literally lit up. Yeah. I could tell. Because that's one of your favorites, I think. It is. Out it's, of 50 cocktails, yeah, that's one of them. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's probably my favorite way to have honey in a cocktail. Yes. If you mix it with gin, then it's not so bad. Right. It's very refreshing. That's totally Perfect true. for the hot summers. Right. Yeah. And then we got to go to a seminar of someone, I, I will confess, I had not been exposed to yet. Right. Uh, someone who's a big name, but I just hadn't run across him. His name is Bobby G, and he is the head mixologist for Beam. Right. Beam like Jim Beam. Right. right. And he made a zillion cocktails. He made a Manhattan like four different ways. He did. It was it was a fun thing. And then he showed us he smoked a Manhattan. Was I like taken over by that or what? You were pretty obsessed with the I process. Loved that. <laughs> and and his thing was like he he used a special like piece of a Jim Beam barrel, like a ten year old right. chunk of a barrel, right. to smoke the Manhattan. So it was, he basically said, "You can't get this anywhere else." Yes, <laughs> which made us want it. Obviously, exactly. what did you think of the smoke Manhattan? Um, I liked it. Yeah. I don't know if I would pay for something like that. To be honest, why? Um, it's it. I don't know. It's not simplistic. You're paying for that smoke, yeah, you know. I guess so. Um, but to see it done and to get it for free, yeah, it yes, <laughs> it was very. Of course, fun. I would. <laughs> it was very fun. It was a cool experience. So, this seminar was mixology made easy, which is very dear to my heart. So, what do you think are the barriers that people face to making drinks at home or anywhere else? A lot of times, when when folks go to a bar and they, and especially when they're at a good bar where the bartender really has the care. Mm-hmm. And they make those drinks. A lot of times the people at home get uh, a little bit tentative because they don't have those spirits. Mm-hmm. You know, but what we like to say, especially you know, in a, with a company like mine, is that brands are made on-premise. It's the on-premise where people can go. And, I mean, granted, today your cocktails are $10, 12 $15 a piece. Right. 
but it's less than the cost of all of those ingredients put together. So once you do find something, you find a bartender that will work with you and can tell you how to do it, then you can go and buy those drinks and experiment at home. I, I heard you. I overheard you a minute ago talking about cigars. I want to hear that again because I'm a cigar smoker. What we were talking about was our small batch group, which okay. was created by Booker No. Yeah. And he was the man single-handedly brought premium bourbons to light in America. Yeah. yeah. And so that small batch group is Basil Hayden, mm-hmm. Knob Creek, Bakers, and Bookers. Mm-hmm. And of those four, Bakers, which spends seven years in the high in the rack house. Okay. And it's bottled at 107 proof. That being higher in the rickhouse gives you more heat okay. and faster evaporation. Okay. So your whiskey concentrates up there. Yeah. And it concentrates the acidity in the whiskey. Wow. And for a cigar smoker, mm-hmm. that acidity in Baker's will cut right through the cigar smoke and you still get the full flavor of the bourbon while enjoying a rich cigar. Wow. You know, a lot of lesser bourbons mm-hmm. won't stand up to a, a yeah. big cigar. Yeah. So you need that big body and that acidity to cut through it. And then we moved on. Actually, we sort of moved out uh, of the seminars and stuff like that and just started talking to some of the folks around. So a lot of the people at uh, New Mexico Cocktails and Culture are people I admire and people I connected with in the really early days of Simple Cocktails. One of them that we can't forget is Natalie Bovis. Right. She was the one who started this whole thing. Yeah. She goes by the Liquid Muse. She does all kinds of stuff. And she has been doing this kind of work, spirit stuff, for for a long time. And I very much admire Natalie. Right. And she's the reason why we get big names over here sometimes. The last yeah. conference, Dale DeGroff came. Yeah, exactly. And it's because of Natalie. Right. Like she's she knows a lot of people and she has this this conference is incredible and it's because of her. Right. And she was quite busy and right. she did an incredible job. Well, hopefully we can get her down here. Yeah. Someday. That's a great idea. <laughs> bring, Just went with her. Bring her in and make some simple cocktails for sure. So the last person we got to talk to is another one of those people I admire. Right. He's he's one of the Santa Fe names right. as far as craft cocktails. Definitely a pioneer. He is. Chris Milligan, he goes by the Santa Fe Barman. He has a website. Uh, we'll link to it in the notes and everything. Uh, Chris sat down with us, and really our conversation with Chris was borderline emotional. Like, can, <laughs> can I say that? Yeah. As I listened to the interview the second time around, I was like, man... Like everything he said. I love New Mexico. I'm never moving. Inspirational. <laughs> Every time we're in the news for something really bad yeah. nationwide, we right. need to listen to that and be like, yeah, no we doubt. love New Mexico. We're doing it. We're doing it. So <laughs> it was awesome to talk to Chris. Let's talk about New Mexico. You and I are both New Mexicans and uh, we've been watching craft cocktails or in your case, making them. Right. Uh, how are we doing in New Mexico, do you think? I think we're doing absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, seven, eight years ago, the craft cocktails were unheard of in New Mexico. Uh, nine years ago, uh, a couple of people started doing them down in Albuquerque. Uh, a couple of people up here in Santa Fe kind of shocked the world uh, around the around here. And, you know, slowly but surely it caught on. Now here in Santa Fe, we have, you know, five or six different bars that are doing craft cocktails and really upping their game and looking back at classics and reinventing classics and some doing their own game like we do at Secreto, you know, going so far as to using, you know, all fresh ingredients, you know, like that. It's just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. It's it's exciting for for me to watch. I mean, I've, I've only been kind of watching and participating in this for maybe five years. 
you you have been longer and so for me it's it's just it's awesome to see because you, you can get to the point where you can get craft cocktails you don't have to leave town you don't have to get on a plane at least right exactly <laughs> you know? Yeah. so maybe we need to drive to santa fe but you know we can we can get some decent craft cocktails in, in lots of places and so that's been fun for us you know for sure yeah, it's fantastic yeah. it's really fantastic yeah. you know when it was just a couple of us it yeah. would you know it, you know we were watching each other and playing off of each other but I kind of felt like there was nowhere to drink. Yeah. There was nowhere to drink. And now that the other people are doing it, it's it's really great to be able to, to go and enjoy a great, you know, a great well-made balanced cocktail yeah. uh, in a bar. Now. Yeah. That's awesome. That's So, you know, shameless self-promotion, that's a little bit of what I get into. I, I don't know if I made this up or if I stole it from someone, but that's a little bit of what I get into in my book, too, is... Is it? It seems like for there to be a craft cocktail scene like that, we need people like you guys who are doing craft bartending, and then we need we need distilleries who are making the stuff somewhere around here, and we're we're getting that more and more. Definitely. So. And then I think you know that's when I step in and sort of talk about myself, and I say then we got to have just people who love it that are running around talking about it. Well, and it and it goes even beyond you know people's appreciation of cocktails. Yeah. Uh, people have begun to realize that it, it's not just wine and food; it's yeah. cocktails and food. Yeah, for sure. And looking, you know, even more so, the way that uh, Santa Fe and even Albuquerque has begun to focus, and even you know, down in Cruces and, and other places where localism uh, is is become such a, a big thing. Uh, you know, when you combine all of those things, then it just creates an amazing community and just brings people together and creates, you know, it adds even more to what makes Santa Fe and New Mexico so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where we're at. I mean, from my perspective, it seems like we're there, where we've got enough people in each of those camps that are cheerleading and that are doing the work and that are producing product. Now we've got enough that it's moving, you know, and it's moving in a great direction. So, yes. yeah, it's it's awesome, man. And, and I, we appreciate your contribution to, to all of it as well. So Thank you. I've, a great I've been job really here. happy to be a part of it and, and see, you know, this whole thing develop out of, out of, you know, out of a, what seemed like a crazy idea yeah. at the time. And it just it is, it is flourished with so many people. And it's just fantastic to see how it continues to embrace and people are continuing other you know bars that have not done this continue to look and go well maybe we can do that yeah, maybe yeah. we should you know start doing something like that and it's just building and building and it's it's picking up speed yeah. so fast and it's so fantastic you know new mexico cocktails and culture celebration here bringing in all these people from all over the country you know the people that taught me yeah. what i know uh just really brings a great sense of community to, to everything that we're doing here and just revitalizes when I come to these things I, I, I just get revitalized about how exciting you know this world of, of food and cocktails can be yeah. and I think that's a great summary of New Mexico cocktails and culture right. for us it really is that's a word I forget to use as much as I should and that's community right he nails it exactly but that's a that's a big heart that's hidden beneath the surface of simple cocktails when I'm writing blog posts when we're recording these episodes we're really thinking about building community on spirits right. and having fun with each other exactly yeah it was an awesome time I can't wait till next year yeah, I can't sure. wait till next year to bring tons of our friends yeah no doubt <laughs> maybe a hotel room yeah <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a good idea All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this extra special 
New Mexico Cocktails and Culture episode of the Simple Cocktails Podcast. Right. Hey, Greg, anytime you want to take me on a field trip yeah. of spirits, yeah. I'm totally ready. So, yeah, the field trip, let's just go to Santa Fe, start drinking at 10, and right. drink all day. Santa Fe, yeah. Phoenix, Colorado, wherever. Wherever, yeah, yeah. I agree. It was a great <laughs> time, and we're, you know, you come away proud to be a New Mexican. You do. For sure. I'm Greg Mays, Managing Editor of SimpleCocktails.net. And I'm Lisa Mays. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Cheers. <laughs>